Go Mighty One, our sacrifice begins. We commence. Spellburn, a podcast about the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game. It's time to party like it's 1974. Following the annual holiday of our people, Free RPG Day, it seems fitting to invoke another road crew judge onto the show. Tonight's guest brings DCC RPG to game shops at least twice a week in addition to convention appearances. And in the spirit of inclusivity, we are ecstatic to welcome the very first guest to the show who, shall we say, differs a bit from every other guest we've invoked here on Spellburn. I'm Judge Jen, and with me tonight are Judge Julian. Hi. Judge Jeff. Hello. And co-founder of the Order of Shanna, Judge Joan Troyer. Well, hello, and thank you for having me on Spellburn. Well, of course, we need to, how did Jeff say it, Um, include every single damn person. So. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And another Judge J, right? (laughs) And, you know, get more women in gaming, too. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, well, true. So, shall we take it over to the tavern? Welcome, friends. Good to see you. I only had one drink to calm my nerves. And give her a drink of your most expensive. Tavern Talk. So I know a lot of things have been going on lately. We've had North Texas. We've had Origins on top of Free RPG Day. So what have we all done in gaming in the past week or two? Jeff, let's start with you. Well, first off, I'll say I have been uh, disappointing my uh, my friends all across the country uh, recently. With uh, I, I, I had to cancel on WayneCon, I had to cancel on North Texas, and I had to cancel running uh, DCC at the Free RPG Day. And all of that is because I am officially moving to Cleveland. And I'm uh, doing that on July 1st, which by the time this episode airs will likely be in the past. But as we're <laughs> recording it, it is about a week and a half in the future. And I am doing a lot to make those things happen. And it's um, it's a lot of work right now to make that move. But that does not mean that I have been without gaming. So I actually, while I was in Cleveland this last weekend looking for an apartment, and for the record, I signed a lease, and I'm very excited about that. Woo-hoo! But while I, Thank you. But while I was out there, I got to run DCC for a bunch of my new friends in Cleveland. And one of them is this fabulous drag queen named Samantha Echo, who in Cleveland runs an event called Dungeons and Drag Queens. Nice. (laughs) Nice. I love it. Yes. So if you are in Cleveland or you're anywhere around there, you can look up Samantha Echo and Dungeons and Drag Queens. I believe the event is a monthly event. I've yet to be able to make it to one, uh, but she was a lot of fun. And so was the group of people I had played with. We did Sailors on the Starless Sea, and uh, Samantha Echo's character uh, named Monica Lewinsky um, ended up becoming mm-hmm. a Chaos Lord. It was very exciting. <laughs> but then the, the other players had to um, had to uh, put her down. So it was a, it was a sad uh, day for Monica Lewinsky. Mm, but um, uh, <laughs> wow, they just rate themselves. <laughs> they really right. do. <laughs> and I also had the sad experience of playing in the very last session of any game that I'm going to be playing in with the Dungeon Crawl Classics New York City group as somebody who lives in New York. Aww. Sure, I'll come back and visit and play in games occasionally. 
But that was my last one where I was the owner of the group and still a New Yorker. I have passed on ownership of the group to the amazing Andrew Sternick, who will uh, continue on the legacy of the DCC NYC meetup group. And is Hoy taking your place as judge for those events or for the majority of them? Well, Hoy and Andrew Sternick and David Willems and uh, some other folks have been running lots of games, even when I'm not running games. So they're just going to continue to run lots of games. That's very cool. Bittersweet. Bittersweet, yes. But overall, I'm very excited for the move. And I will not be starting a DCC Cleveland meetup group because there's already a thriving DCC group uh, in Cleveland, which I'm excited about. When I was looking for DCC in New York, I really couldn't find a community around it. So I felt like I needed to start my own. Thankfully, in Cleveland, there's a, a vibrant community for DCC in and around the Weird Realms game store. Wow. Talk about serendipity, man. Just everything falling into your lap. Yeah, it's very exciting stuff. And exhausting, yes. <laughs> Julian, how was Origins? It was great. And uh, by the way, we'll uh, we'll post a link to Dungeons and Drag Queens in our show notes. So go to the yes. site and check it out. And maybe Weird Realms, right? I think we should post a, a link to them too, probably. I think so too. They, they run Dungeon Crawl Classics every Thursday night at nine. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. And if you go there... After July 1st, there might be a goad sighting. So, mm. you know. Mm. A mysterious goad. <laughs> so, yes, I have an origins report. I was sent, well, by myself. Okay. I went to origins, and it was my first origins. Uh, had a great time. Uh, really liked Columbus. It was strangely like a smaller kind of saner Gen Con, but without all my DCC friends there, except for Michael and Brendan. How odd. Yeah, it was strange. And then the few people who were there, except for the evil one, um, I hardly saw anyway. So, you know, I, you know who I mean. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we had a great time. I ran uh, four adventures, the, a dying earth play test and this trouble at same strange Sammy's that I've been working on, which was really good. I had uh, two good games of that. And then the burger wars adventure that I've done for Reed and had a great time with that on Saturday. I had four great games. And then Sunday, I finally got to play in my first game, my which happened to be a DCC game when I got to play in Brendan LaSalle's uh, DCC experiment. I was really wiped out. And I think the people at the table thought I was a little uh, hungover or something. In fact, I was just really tired, but I was yawning a lot and stuff in the first half. And then I got caffeined up, but I had a blast anyway. And I'm emailing this question into the judges on Spellburn, okay? <laughs> Brendan blew my mind a little bit because he was totally freeforming Invoke Patron. Oh, gosh, what was the other thing? I, I can't – I was just like, wait a – oh, Mercurial Magic. So mm -hmm. this – I have never seen this. Of course, I've kind of started doing it with disapproval, and I've – kind of been doing with crits and of course i think we've always most of us have always done it with mighty deeds right but he was just he gave out spells to people he gave out magic user sheets wizard sheets without any spell sheets and he just when they wanted to cast magic missile he said well roll a 20 cider so you'd roll a 20 cider. well i got a 15 okay well your magic your mercurial should be good you know you should have an effect that's maybe good it has a cool you know it has a 
you know, I don't know, shoots little lightnings and does one point extra of electrical damage or something like that. I mean, he would kind of go with the character's theme or patron or something kind. You know, he would just throw one thing out and the person might negotiate or the person might just go, oh, I'll take that or whatever. It was really cool. And I just was like, whoa, it's so obvious. Like, why haven't we always done that? You know, I, I was like, oh, and I, maybe we even did that do that once or twice, but I don't really remember doing it. And then he did it on Invoke Patron, which was even way funnier and way more fun because the Invoke Patron then, it, especially because it was the king of Elfland, and then Brendan's like, oh, okay, well, you go to Elfland and you go on a long boat ride and you you know hit the Elf Buffet <laughs> and you know you can just hear this in Brendan you know thing right oh but, yeah you know then he's like well you know can I send you some warriors or you know well what I really need is a demon sword for you know like five rounds well okay roll D four plus one and we'll you know I just thought wow this bringing some. Of course, I didn't express my admiration at all. I told him he was a story gamer hippie. <laughs> I didn't want anything to do with that. But um, I got to admit, I, I thought that was pretty cool. And um, I'm really going to ad- adopt some of that. So don't tell Brendan that I really admired that. Okay? Nobody tell him. Well, okay. yeah. No. Yeah, that's brilliant on many levels. And I look forward to your email so that we can actually dig into that. Okay, yes. <laughs> So don't worry, we'll just tell Hector to edit your entire section out. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, but had a great time. Uh, Columbus is a great town. We should have more DCC there. Had a blast hanging out with Michael and uh, Brennan. And uh, that's really all I got to say. I'm, I'm glad I went and it was a good show. Awesome. Yeah. Wait, so Origins and Free RPG Day were happening at the same time? Yes, yeah. they were. Saturday. Oh, interesting. Was there any kind of Free RPG Day aspect of origins or not at all well they had the uh the handout at the booth um they had the panda head guys brett and um allison i think al brooks yeah yeah she's so great i can never remember her name but she's the sweetest lady of all time she's so (laughs) great anyway they had it at the booth right and uh it was great and they had the mcc printed modules for the first the first time i've ever got to see any of them was so awesome Um, and the book obviously it was so glorious a couple fifth edition fantasy books dropped for sale that weekend as well and yeah it was goodman all over the place and speaking of mcc i hear that the first printing of the mcc core book is already sold out no surprise Yeah, I got online to try to get myself uh, a copy, and about five minutes later, the article came that it was already out. Uh-oh. You'll be a second printer. Mm. So I have to wait till July. So, Joan, how was your free RPG day? And actually, since you're so dang active, how's your gaming been for the past week or two? Well... <laughs> Yeah, running every Thursday evening at Better World Books for the Thursday nights, and bi-weekly at Secret Door Games for their DCC group, Sedutu Crusaders, because we play at Secret Door back in the Tutu Parlor. <laughs> so you've probably seen some of the pictures that in the background, it's pink wall with tutus of Swan Lake and all that kind of stuff in the background. Now we have a lot of fun. They basically gave us that space so that we can play because we're so loud. (laughs) And they also like to have us upstairs because of that, but they also like to listen in on what chaotic gonzo stuff is going on um, and have a laugh themselves. 
And at Better World Books, we used to play in the basement, but they brought our table up on the main floor so that everybody in the store can hear us having lots of fun. So usually with each game, we've got one or two brand new players, and that is a lot of fun. The last month, month and a half, we've been in the Carnival of the Damned Yay. Uh, by David Beatty. Yay. Yeah, I mean, I read it and was like, oh yeah, I'm running <laughs> it. And I just saw that I uh, have now been a judge for DCC just over a year. So my life with uh, DCC RPG kind of exploded um, with Gen Con and after that. So, yeah. And then two judges have sparked uh, from our playing. One judge, David, uh, found it a bit challenging to have the preteens and young adults, eight to ten players at my table, got to be a little um, too much. So we decided it was probably good that the preteens have their own group while the young adults and older um, have have their group. Hmm. And then because I can only run every other Saturday and everybody wants to run weekly, Marlene has taken the, the Saturdays. I have another RPG group to play with and she's running Purple Planet and when I can slip in to play in one of her games, I, it's great because I'm having a blast. Plus, my players are going, Joan, we want to play with you as a player, not just a judge. Aww. So it's a bit gonzo at, at all the tables, but we have a blast. We do. Very cool. Oh, and Gen Con coming up, but I figured that's going to be some questions later on. Yeah, possibly. And you ran for free RPG day, yes? I did. It was my very first um, RPG day, and I didn't quite know what to expect. You're not alone. Yeah. I didn't either. (laughs) I I really didn't. Where I run weekly on Thursdays, Origins being that weekend, uh, they've just not typically run free RPG day. And then when I got to asking them about free RPG day, it was too late for him to order the the free RPG day stuff. Oh. So it didn't happen at the Goshen store. At the Elkhart store, it was maybe their second or third RPG day. And then the owner and managers all go to Origins. So those at the store do not do RPGs. So there was really a communication problem. But it turned out that I got to the store and there were five e-games of D&D. There was um, Cobalt's Ate My Baby and nice. a couple of DCC games, but there wasn't any players for it. They sold out of everything. There wasn't product on the, well, prior to RPG Day, there wasn't any um, product on the shelves. Hmm. Interesting. But when there is product on the shelves at both of the stores, at Better World Brooks and Secret Door, they can't keep the product on the shelf. So I'm happy about that. Awesome. You know, I've been at the stores that didn't carry the free RPG stuff, either because they were too late or they just hadn't remembered to order it. And, you know, funny enough, we always get them turned around for the next year. So 
this was the 11th or 12th year of it. So I don't think it's going away anytime soon. I think the biggest challenge is getting people to actually play role-playing games instead of, say, the collectible trading card games and the magic tournaments and things like that. Well, that was going on too. (laughs) Yeah. But they kind of like had that laying a lot lower um, than the RPGs. They really did do a good job with um, making the RPGs stand out. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah, I was just a little... Uh, they've been having some trouble with getting DCC stock on the shelf, and I'm not sure where that glitch is coming. You knew that our stores had the same problem, but then they overcame it. So I'm not sure what the trick is on that end. I can maybe after the show drop our store owner an email and ask uh, for some info that I could pass on to yours. On our end... Our illustrious, friendly local gaming store said, Oh, the past two years have been so great. We're going to make it a free RPG weekend. Oh, okay. And Bob said, I'm going to run three slots both days then. And I said, and fine, so will I. And by the end of the first day, what 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 have we done? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I want to get the name of that truck. <laughs> you know, it's so much different than doing a convention where people know what they want to play. They sign up for the games. Your games are sold out by the time you show up to your table to run them. And in this stage, you're trying to do the hard sell on Magic and Pathfinder players. And dude, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to work the booth. I mean, (laughs) it was a little bit harrowing. And the turnout wasn't as great. And I think maybe one day would have been sufficient and especially trying to run on Father's Day, that was a super hard sell. Hmm. But in in the other gaming categories, you know, our, our new AD&D campaign started, and we've still got uh, Rogue Trader, Star Wars, and Metamorphosis Alpha going on a rotational basis. I'm trying to figure out which one of the many flavors of DCC to throw in for a, a fourth week for that Sci Friday theme. Nobody can narrow it down, and so just kind of goes away by way of attrition. But for Free RPG Day, I got to run Sailors for probably the first time in four or five years. And I used the scratch-off sheets for some of them. And God love them. Some of the new players were sitting there with their phones, pulling up the Crawler's Companion and using that for their spells on the first level game, you know, with the sole remaining survivors. And we went in straight into Tower of the Black Pearl, so it even kind of fit thematically. And that first eight hours just went by like a blink of an eye. And then all of a sudden the store was almost empty. So a couple of us GMs migrated over to Troy's table where he was running one of the adventures for Pyramid Crawl Classics that he has put together. And Julian, you want to talk about customized spells and mercurial effects and everything. Mm, I I played the Tothian for the second time in a row. And so everything was like bird related, Hmm. bird and knowledge and, you know, mercurial effect is a gust of wind. Yeah, the magic missile is actually magic feathers. And dude, I don't care as long as it does damage. And (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the storylines and the possibilities of the adventures that Troy writes is just, dude, publish something already. I'm going to kick you. 
I think he would fit in right there alongside Brendan with his just off the cuff stuff. And he doesn't think so, which bugs me. So day two of free RPG day was pretty quiet. I sat in for Bob's MCC game and then I ran uh, Tower Out of Time, which is always a really good one. Hmm. And then the store's like, you know what? We're just going to close early. Okay, can we wait an hour till I wake up so I can drive? (laughs) So, yeah, a little bit chaotic, but a lot of fun. And we're still getting the people driving across from Fort Lauderdale for it. You know, of course, David Hoskins comes down from Sarasota all the time for it and should be a lot of fun. We've got the next game day here set for July 7th. So it's like just around the corner and we got to do some stuff. So on that note, we're going to talk to Judge Joan in detail in just a few minutes. But first, let's summon some email. I call upon the flame to summon you. Who'll deliver the message for me? I came here to give you these facts. Summon email. So we do seem to have a bit of an accumulation here. Hey, Jeff, you want to reach down and uh, see if you can find one for us? Oh, sure. This one uh, is looking like it's an older one. It's a little frayed along the edges. It's kind of got that sepia tone kind of uh, vibe to it. So, hello, this is from Sean. In episode 61, you received an email about the disappointment some players have with zero-level games. I would like to further add to that subject by asking the following question. Has player expectations of DCC killed the old tropes of low-level play? Starting a game at an inn has been met with eye-rolling. Fighting a kobold or a beetle, no matter how whacked out, is met with a sarcastic comment or two. I feel like unless these bakers and candlestick makers start out on the purple planet, players are disappointed. I don't think that most of the people who are trying out DCC for the first time want anything less than gonzo. As a judge, I've gotten tired of trying to keep the game dialed up to 11 all the time. However, I feel that when you run DCC, it is expected. A copper for your thoughts, Sean. Mm. So, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, Joan, what do you think? Yeah. I have a feeling this will play right into you, Joan. Yeah. I I just go gonzo with what they're just minuscule little peasants. And I try to say, okay, you've got that pitchfork and that hen under your arm. And what are you going to do when the foreign kind of adventure you have no no idea what what to do but you have these strange noises going on and you are out to save your town and i just have players that just love running with that you know i mean that you just go with it yeah or did i not understand the question quite right well, I, um, I think specifically he's kind of asking if those old school D&D tropes of like a bunch of pl- a bunch of first level characters meet in a bar, um, they're sent on a quest by some kind of mysterious wizard, and then they go off and they kill a bunch of giant rats in a oh. basement. You know, has, has DCC ruined that kind of trope of old school low level play? And I personally think it has within a certain sect of, of the gaming sphere, but I'm personally glad it has. I don't particularly find a lot. I, I like low-level play, but I think just the idea of just like kobolds in a cave and like a giant centipede here and there, like really doesn't necessarily spark the imagination as much as low-level and funnel DCC play can be. 
And I, I understand their concern about wanting it to go to 11 and be on the, the purple planet from the very Ooh. beginning or something along those lines. But I feel like, you know, uh, in your email, Sean, I think you're kind of showing us um, a black and a white example. And I think there's a lot of gray in between. You know, if you don't want to dial it up to 11, but you also don't want to play at one, you know, you can also play somewhere in the middle. You can do kind of a seven where like you're doing some kind of like wacky interplanar stuff where people don't really exactly know what's going on and you're dealing with dimensions and patrons and weird stuff like that. But at the same time, it's not it's not completely whacked out, but it's also not just like the same old boring stuff that we've been playing since we were 11. Well, that's where I agree with you, um, Jeff, because if I have something that's just like, oh boy, I'm going into the basement and I'm going to be killing those rats or there's these kobolds or whatever, I'm likely to look up some traps or some riddles or some puzzles and, you know, throw them off in that direction mm -hmm. and get a little bit more gonzo in that way so that they're not just, you know, again, getting something that's so bland that, okay, well, we got to get past these kobolds. We got to get, you know, past these rats, whatever. If they're new to the game, those are kind of really easy creatures to get past, but then puzzle them a little bit. Do they know some of these pretty easy riddles or are they going to recognize when they come across a trap or check for traps? And you spring something like that on them when you kind of sense that they're getting a little like, oh boy, I wish this could move, move on. We always end up, you know, laughing and our ribs hurt. So that's kind of where I put it. And then it jumps the story up real fast. Yeah. Well, it was really interesting this past Sunday during Tower Out of Time. There's actually not a read aloud text section for, hey, this is what everyone's been noticing lately. It just starts out with, so you've come to this. You've come to investigate. I was like, eh, I don't know. So I tried the, hey, this is what you guys have noticed. And this kid that I, it was his third game of DCC. I think he'd played D&D &D before. And he just sat there and said, enter adventurers. And I was like, wow, what a generic way of doing it. No, no, I don't like that. And so I had to come up with a different way of, hey, you know, the constabulary is willing to pay. Oh, okay, now we'll jump on board. <laughs> but just, oh, you meet in an inn. Yeah, no, no, the, it wasn't flying. None of the players were biting on it and... Yeah, I, I think with DCC, players have come to expect something a little bit more incentivizing. Honestly, I've been waiting, though, because this is such a great question. And I think this person is having um, an experience that is sort of misleading, which is not his fault in the slightest. But there are tons of, I think, very, not tons, but there's certainly plenty of traditional type Hackem and Slashem, faux medieval traditional D&D type games in the DCC realm. So um, especially, I think, maybe if you lean forward into more of the stuff that printed in the first couple of years that DCC was put out there. And if that's to your taste, you know, there is a all-time classic great funnel adventure, which might be one of the great D&D adventures of all time called Sailors on the Starless Sea, which is just about going into an old keep and fighting some beastmen underground. 
you know, there is uh, Doom of the Savage Kings, which is like an Appendix N story about a like a ghost dog yeah. and in a like old Germanic village with a crazy witch. And I mean, it's super classic traditional fantasy type stuff. And by the way, they totally don't suck. <laughs> they don't. No, they're super. Tr- they are like Appendix N to the hilt. And they're like Beowulf and stuff. And I mean, that's when I when I played Doom and the Savage Kings, I was like, holy smack, you know, like all the Gonzo stuff and all that stuff. It's like, here's a guy, you know, here's a here's an adventure that's just uh, coloring right in the lines and is still different and brilliant and has a lot of different little sidetracks and everything. You can run it very straight or you could run it. You know, this could be a sandbox five session adventure, all that stuff. You know, I, I'm sure I've blabbered about it before but the croaking fane you want a classic D dungeon crawl hmm. you know dcc third level croaking fane will scratch that itch hugely so you know I, that stuff is out there and it you know people may not be running it for uh, that letter writer but you certainly we have the stuff so just I would say climb through those, you know, the adventures a little bit and you'll find that stuff. I I completely agree with you, Julian, that we've got a lot of really inspired low level adventures that feel very Appendix N and also feel very much in the school of D&D. But I I would say that we don't have anything in DCC that I've really encountered that's really kind of the super generic low level fantasy D&D stuff where they're like killing rats in a basement or just like fighting a bunch of kobolds. You know, I, I for me, what... What I think DCC does a great job of, which I don't think other versions of D&D do, is I am sick to death of super scaled adventuring, where at a low level, you're just fighting giant rats, and then eventually you're fighting dragons. You know, what I love about DCC is you could be fighting dragons at zero level, and you can be fighting giant rats at 10th level, kind of depending <laughs> on the situation. And that is so Appendix N to me. I totally agree with that, too. You know, I, Fafford and Grey Mouser don't spend two novels killing enough giant rats until they're powerful enough to go forth into the wilderness and fight an owlbear, you know? I love you, Jeff. (laughs) Yeah. I think that Sailors on the Starless Sea um, and Doom of the Savage Kings are absolutely great examples of very Appendix N low-level DCC games, but it's not that boring, stale, scaled low-level play. Yeah, you bring in that, that big tentacle monster you know, in sailors and it's a zero level and my players, their jaws dropped and I could, I could feel their stomachs, you know, gurgling inside going, Oh my goodness, I'm just a zero <laughs> level and you got tentacles coming up around me. But yeah. That, that was a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. That depleted the, the group this past weekend by over half. Oh yeah, of course. I had one player with six dead characters. Wow. It was beautiful. (laughs) I will say, if you like giant rats, there is a DCC adventure called Temple of the Hamster, (laughs) which is not a first level adventure, but a third level adventure. And uh, it might be a little off the beaten track, but I will say that uh, some groups will love it. Probably some would hate it, but nobody would ever forget it. So, uh, (laughs) so... You know, that's all. Marlene is my housemate, and uh, she has that in one of her boxes. So I, I might just go sneak that out of one of her boxes. Oh, very yeah. cool. Sounds nice. like so much fun. And that's a great example, Julian, because, you know, third-level DCC games are the equivalent of sixth-level D&D games. 
And the fact that you've got a giant rat adventure that's essentially a six-level D&D adventure, I think, says a lot about DCC. You know, this this isn't a first-level adventure. Right. Well, Sean, I think we gave you uh, more than enough for your copper. Thanks. Really good question, though. It looks like our next one comes from John Hook. Greetings, burned and flayed. I loved hearing your interview with Giogo. I only wish I could attend Gen Con to meet him and play in one of his games. Uh-huh. But I'll just have to console myself with a copy of his sharp swords and sinister spells. I was browsing Lulu and paid for it before the episode was even over. Yay. Right. Yay. Awesome. And those who are listening now, he's got the Kickstarter, or actually it's not Kickstarter, it's whatever that other one is. for uh, Indiegogo? Indiegogo for Solar Blades and Sonic Spells, which is Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells in Space. Or is it Cosmic Blades? And, yes. Yeah, something. Yeah, something like something. that. Something. But the full page art is all his, and it's freaking amazing. It's gorgeous. I mean, his writing is good, but his art and the speed in which he kicks it out. Anyway. Anyway, that... that... That Yogo guy, man. The last thing he put out there was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this isn't Stars Without Numbers traveler stuff. This is full on like Lee Bracket. Like you hop into a spaceship, you land on a planet, and there's a planet full of castles and wizards. Yeah. Um, I, I ordered it just for the art. I'll, I got to be up front. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> huge. I don't know if I get a chance to read it, but it's. I'm going to flip through it for the pictures. So, John, great to hear from you, John. Who knows? We might hear from you sooner rather than later. The art, if you follow him on G+, it's like daily. And I'm like, with you right there, Jen, Mm -hmm. it's just amazing art. And for him to be putting putting it out so quickly, it just blows my mind. Yes, indeed. Looks like we've got another brief one. Julian, can you handle that one? I sure will. And I think this is a guy I might have met at Con of the North last year, if I recall correctly, because of the alias. Although I don't, I did not think he was that creepy, if I'm thinking of the right person. But anyway, he goes by Creepy Glenn. <laughs> and this is an excellent timed email. Could you give an idiot's guide to running a road crew game? How to advertise, how to make sure you have players at game time, how to make sure you don't have too many players, what to run, where to run a game, and other things I can't even think of, Creepy Glenn. So Jen and Jeff and Joan, oh my gosh, we got another J. I just love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just noticed that. I think you guys run way more road crew games than me. at stores, that is, for sure. So I'm going to sit back and let you guys uh, handle this one. Oh, boy. I might defer just because with the exception of Free RPG Day, I've actually been out of it for the past couple of years. Well, I, I'll just jump in here. Please do. To answer the question of how to advertise, both of the game stores where I run have Facebook uh, pages. So they have a public page and they both have RPG pages, which is more of, I, it's not a secret group, but it's uh you ask to join it and then that's where the discussion can go with regards to any RPG. The main page though has, they will post the events like they have RPG. They'll invite them to the RPG page where then they can get a lot more detail there. So I post all the events on the RPG page and they do a lot of the advertising in, in a sense. And is there a table limit? 
not in my road crew games. You know, I will shove as many chairs around my table as possible. (laughs) The most I've had around my table has been 11. Right on. Yeah. And so at that point, then I like to use, well, I don't give them four zero level characters. I will have them work up four characters. And then I'll say, we'll put them in a marching order. And basically they go one, two, three, four. And I'll say, okay, now roll a D4. And you just killed off one of your characters. So then they play with three. And that cuts things down. Hmm. Plus my regular players, they'll play with either one or two um, level ones right now. We have now gone into level two. But... No, there there is just no table limits on my on my road crew games. I do remember eleven or twelve being my personal patience limit. <laughs> uh, Jeff, you started the meetup group for your area, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I did. I've done all basically all of my road crew games, with few exceptions, either at conventions or through my meetup group. So how to advertise is kind of obvious. You know, I just posted on my meetup group and the people who want to attend, attend it through that. And how to make sure you have players at game time. You know, that's not really been a problem for me. Generally, people show up on time or roughly. And if not everybody's here by the time the game's supposed to start, I'll usually give them about 15 minutes. But if after 15 minutes or so not here, then I just go ahead and start without them and maybe they'll play or not. And, ooh, my two kittens are now wrestling with each other, making a lot of noise in the background. All right, guys. Go, Hugh and Shanna. (laughs) At least they're thematic, I'm telling you. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So, anyways, how to make sure I don't have too many players? Well, unlike Jen and Joan, I cap the player attendance at a meetup group at six players. I, I personally don't like it above six maybe if if it's fully rsvp'd but there's somebody who really wants to play i'll do seven but i i don't generally let it go much above that and i do that for two reasons one for my own sanity because the more and more people there are to track the more my brain gets exhausted by the end of the game and also i just know as a player i don't personally enjoy playing rpgs when i'm one of like 12 players it's not a style of gaming I enjoy as much. I get I get bored. I get distracted. I'm a little ADD, so I just I need to be more engaged. So I try to run games that I would personally want to be playing in. So I try to cap it at, uh, at no more than six. What to run? I usually just run published modules. I generally like to make every module I run a self-contained one-shot. So if it's a short adventure, I, I make up a lot of stuff to pad the adventure to fill up, fill up a full four-hour slot. If it's a massive adventure like Doom of the Savage Kings, which you could easily spend eight sessions exploring, I just <laughs> edit the crap out of it. And I still do it all in just one session. Because my experience is if I run an adventure that has three or four sessions people are a lot less likely to show up for sessions two, three, and four if they haven't been to sessions one, two, or three. Mm. The attendance starts to dwindle. So I prefer to give people the option of every time they're coming to a new session, they're coming to a brand new adventure. Because Road Crew is different than campaign play. And I know that my DCC group was kind of running a little bit of a, is kind of a campaign because it's the same characters every time, but it's also really just kind of one-shots 
So it was a little bit of A and B, but even so, I still like to keep every adventure its own self-contained one. And I would do a mix of Goodman Games published adventures. I would do a bunch of third-party adventures too, and uh, where to run a game. Find a find a good game store that's got that's got seating that that uh, supports you being there. And uh, that's what I think. Or a library, or a bar, or <laughs> yep, very cool. Well, thank you for the timely email, Creepy Glenn. And why don't we head over and uh, hit some mighty deeds? Let the combat begin! To the death! Why behold our hero? Oh, so you want to play rough, eh? Well, take this! Mighty Deeds. So, Judge Joan, time for those creds. How did you get your start in gaming? Well, it was... When I was 50 years old, I guess. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So I won't tell you what year that was, but um, <laughs> yeah, I got into gaming through cutting my teeth on some 3.0 and 3.5 D&D with a small gaming group, but I still am with that group. So I'm still learning the 3.0, 3.5 D&D through that group. It was at the Thursday evenings at uh, Better World Books through their gaming that they had 5e D&D game going and was playing in that group when one of the other fellas in the group, he collects RPG core books and he brought Dungeon Crawl Classics in and wanted to introduce it at the store. So I and three others sat down with our four zero-level characters, and he took us into Portal Under the Stars. And within two hours, all of our characters are dead. And I hated DCC RPG. <laughs> so I'm like... What in the world is this Dungeon Crawl Classics? I cannot play this <laughs> if all my characters die. So in the story, I picked up a, the core book and I read the first few um, pages. Wait, 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 wait. So you hated it, but you bought the book. I did. Okay. No, I actually didn't buy the book. <laughs> okay. I was having palpitations for a moment. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yes, I no. need, I wish every player would do that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I sat down and um, read the, the first several pages of the core book and was like, oh, I get this. Oh, this can be hilarious if introduced in a better way than how I was introduced to it. And couldn't wait to get my hands on a core book and at that time I had left the core book there and and of course went home and when as soon as I was like oh I've got to get it I went back to the store and there weren't any core books on the shelf so I'm like oh man well then that March well initially he wanted to play it again and I wasn't so sure it took me a little bit I, I kind of skipped over a little bit but that's okay anyway so by the time I got the core book. It was March of 2017 of last year. And it March, they were having a special. So it was like something like half price off games for the month of March. And so I got my cool core book 
with a special cover on it Ooh. for half price. And I, I, I thought, man, I had struck gold. It was May 25th of last year. So that's why I said it's just been a little over a year. <laughs> I cut my teeth on uh, judging with um, Portal Under the Stars. And... Well, wait. what You hated it. What turned you around? Well, it was actually picking up the core book and reading the, the first several pages. You're no hero. And I'm like, that's cool. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That's when it was like, oh my goodness, this plays like a Scooby-Doo cartoon. You know, I'm going to jump into this mystery machine <laughs> and take off. And um, it's been a blast because my play, and, and I owe it to my players because my players are amazing at both stores that they have just really kicked us off. It couldn't have come at a better time because um, in May I, I started judging DCC, but then June I left my job and didn't have another job to go to. And it was maybe a week later that Brendan LaSalle pulled my name out of the road crew contest for a free trip to Gen Con. Oh, that's awesome. And... I had no income, and here I was going to Gen Con 50, and I'd never been to Gen Con before, never ran events at, at any convention before, never, you know, gaming convention, anything. And all of a sudden, it was like jumping off a cliff at 200 feet above the water that um, I did not know what the depth was. And hit the water, just swimming like crazy. I just fell in love. I met people that just like sucked me in to this warm, fuzzy gelatinous cube. <laughs> and I don't care that I've been completely absorbed because it is just an amazing community, an amazing game to play. And I have now even jumped in and wrote a small adventure for Gong Farmer's Almanac that's coming in at Gen Con. Nice. And my players had a barbecue. Well, Marlene is my housemate now, who um, is just as crazy of a judge as I am. And our players are like really worried because we're planning on co-judging and they're nervous. And we're, we're just like laughing because this is going to be the most hilarious um, play ever. But I got to introduce them to the adventure that I wrote for the Gong Farmers at that barbecue here at the house. And they are like, give us more. This was so hilarious. Can you tell us a little about that one? I can. It's a Keystone Cop adventure. It's called The Heist of the Royal Jewels. And you do not play as the Keystone Cops. You play as the townspeople. First, you read the headline that says that the Royal Jewels are going to be on display at the Crown Bank of Hurdlepool. And as a townsperson on a port city, you just, you know, you're going to drop your pitchfork... Um, you're going to drop your barber shears, whatever, and you're going to go see the Royal Jewels because this is amazing. They're coming through your town. Well, then the day before um, they are to be on display, you read that they've been stolen. So 
now it's like you know that you're so you get your hopes up <laughs> you don't no because and you know that the cops in your town are bumbling idiots and somehow they are going to just you know not be able to they're going to need some help so yes you've got the keystone cops you have the royal constables you have a clock tower with a caretaker you have the port with a fishmonger. Um, you have a, a couple of like, like you have the police jalopy that comes, you know, with its funny little siren and all of that. And now you're, you're needing to um, figure out, you know, where these jewels went. And it's an interesting little twist at the end. It's not fully developed, of course, because it's in Gong Farmers, so you are allowed to do whatever you want with police boxes that also appear in the little adventure and put some really gonzo, creepy creatures under the town in the sewer system that you know can lead them down that way to get through town um, unnoticed, maybe, or whatever. So very cool. Also, during nineteen, you know, thirteen, um, they basically, you know, just threw the garbage and stuff out of the window, so anything could hit you from above, um, from bath water to um, kitchen garbage. Those kinds of things are in the adventure too. How fun. So, Joan, do you only run published materials or do you also kind of write your own stuff and do kind of open sandbox kind of stuff? Mostly it is published materials right now. You know, just being a judge for a year and running weekly games and biweekly games, it's just much easier to grab a module, um, read it and prepare that versus, you know, trying to come up with some sandbox stuff. Although, as I'm getting more familiar with uh, modules and reading more, it's lots of fun just throwing in um, things within a published module. For example, the Carnival of the Dam, my group wasn't finding the jelly beans that will heal a point or whatever. And they were just kind of missing, you know, looking for things. I'm still trying to, f- to figure out how to help them search a little bit more or look around a little bit more. I know there's got to be an easy question to do that. I just haven't. You mean rather than just murder hobo your way through something? Amen. Yes, sister <laughs> of the order. I Yes, I do mean that. And... So I came up with, oh, they find a candy cart and they may find some more jelly beans. They may find some gumdrops. They may find something. And it's, you know, according to the different color, it can do a different thing. And it'll take a copper or two to buy, you know, the candy. I put in a snow cone machine, you know, uh, with different colors and just kind of used, the colors is because is, the colors do come up in the carnival at a certain event. So oh, yeah. I just kind of went back and did that too. But they loved the off the top of my head stuff. And so I'm getting a little bit more comfortable and then realizing, wow, I can do that and and add to this game and make it fun. But I also feed off of my players. My players give me some excellent, excellent ideas. 
So, Joan, uh, tell us, uh, how many Road Crew games uh, for DCC do you have under your belt buckle now for this year, for 2018? I'm just going to say I lost count. Wow. Um, well, where are we at in the weeks of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh on the calendar um we are We're about week, halfway yeah. yeah we are week 25 and yep. i purposely put my calendar to tell me what weeks we are in just probably for this purpose i would have to say wow well over 20 if not more wow because again i i run pretty much every thursday evening and bi-weekly saturdays so I, you know, a good twenty plus maybe. Sheesh, lady! Wow. <laughs> and I don't necessarily have to call them all road crew games, but I play at game stores, and and of course, you know, even if there's one or two people that show up at my table, we're gonna have fun, you know. And I'll run um, if they want to. Now I've had a time when there's you know maybe just one show up and we sit but we talk about the game they have questions um i might even have them roll a die to see how lucky they are you know and whether they're going to get a right or wrong answer <laughs> how sick to death are your players of those bookmarks of the bookmarks <laughs> Wow. No, they love the stickers. Oh, yeah. The stickers are great. Yeah. Yeah. I had mentioned that to Brendan about how they love the stickers. You can't get those stickers anymore. But the last time I had gotten the stickers, I had like 10 sheets. So I don't know whether it was like, oh, here's Joan. She loves stickers. And they jammed my box full. But <laughs> I had 10 sheets. So my players love you, Brendan, or whoever packed my box at Goodman Games <laughs> and for Road Crew. Oh, that might be Yeti Keith, too. Who's that? It might be the Yeti or Shipping Yeti. The shipping Yeti. Yeah. Um, I love you, Shipping Yeti. Or my players love you, too. <laughs> so, yeah. And then the Beginner's Box came out. And um, I'm not a beginner, mm -hmm. but I saw what was in that Beginner's Box. And, and I said, okay, I'm a beginner. I bought one of those beginner's box. I love it. The Goodman mm -hmm. Games, uh, what people would know as the starter set. Yeah, I got it. Now I have my gilded edged core book. Yeah. And, and the modules they yeah. put in there. Plus there are stickers in that box. So I was really happy. Oh, yeah. I think it was the first time in a very, very long time that I have run a Goodman Games published module i got to give out stickers for all three games i ran for free rpg day or weekend and the players loved it oh they love those stickers so it's like goodman put those stickers back in there they got the stickers for the adventure that they played in right yes and i kind of wish we could get stickers for the third party modules too at this rate <laughs> yeah well there's that too i um been meaning to look to see if there's some place on the internet that you can like design your own stickers or something along that line. Ooh, there's an idea. Someone had a button idea, you know, those pin on button ideas. I think I saw yeah. that on G plus. That was pretty cool too. 
And just a reminder to our listeners, if you are running Road Crew games, submit it through the Goodman Games website. You can actually go into their shop and search for Road Crew, and it doesn't cost anything. You just have to report when and where you're playing. They send swag out for you and your players. You can't beat support like that. It's cool. That's how I got started with uh, DCC and the support you get for even running games at conventions is really cool too Mm-hmm. it's insane yes well i think we've gotten to know you fairly well i think our listeners know who joan of arc is now <laughs> joan do you have any long-term goals within the gaming community at this stage yeah i would like to continue seeing how well i can write adventures because you can do anything with dungeon crawl classics with the game, um, putting it in just different time periods, using different themes. It's just such a gonzo game that it doesn't make you play in the medieval times, and, which is what I always thought, you know, the other RPGs were about. And I find that Dungeon Crawl Classics just pretty much opened my creative imaginary juices and right now I'm very fortunate to be in a job in which I can spend time to read and I'm a nurse so I've never had a job where I could like relax as a nurse and and when I say relax it's not running 12 hours on my feet and which I used to do for 30 some plus years. Right. So I, I'm just very, very thankful right now that I have time that I can put into my hobby, which is Dungeon Crawl Classics. Yes. Excellently put. Again, I, I just can't stress enough how much I just love this tribe and the big fuzzy gelatinous cube that has sucked me in. (laughs) I'm not fighting against it, guys. You know, I'm just going to let that cube devour me, which I think it has. I don't think we get a will save at this point. Nope. I don't even want to make the will save. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think any of us do. So on that note, stay tuned till next time. In the meantime, you can email us at theband at spellburn.com. Leave iTunes reviews. You can ping us individually on most social media or Spellburns on Twitter. We'd like to give a huge thanks to Hector Cruz for hopping on board to assist with our audio editing. Hector! You are not only a lifesaver, you are a sanity saver. We love you, Hector. Oh, we love you so many bunches. Yes. (laughs) And having gotten to meet him at GaryCon, he seems like an excellent dude as well in general oh he's the best i mean i guess we can keep him but (laughs) thank you hector all right guys say goodbye we'll be back next time all right Uh, yeah thank you for inviting me to spellburn this was great of course always happy to have you have a great night guys and game on later gators all right everyone game on you've been listening to spellburn Copyright 2017. Our theme song has been graciously provided by Glitter Wizard. 
Learn more at glitterwizard.fancamp.com. This has been a Hectophonic Production. production.